Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Two Cyber Chicks podcast. You're about to join Erica and Jax for an inclusive cybersecurity conversation designed to educate and break the stereotypes of cybersecurity professionals while providing life hacks on how to handle burnout, networking, and goal setting. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. Hey, two Cyber Chicks fam. Our guest began coding at age six. Today holds multiple SANS certificates with a vested knowledge within red teaming. Eric Taylor is active in the cybersecurity community through his YouTube channel. He supports others trying to break into the industry. He's owned and operated his own company for over 11 years. Eric lives his life by the golden rule of treating others as you want to be treated. And this is witnessed through his work ethic and way of life. Eric, we've been waiting for this interview. We're so excited to have you here. How have you been? You ready to jump in and chat with two cyber chicks today? Absolutely. Let's do it. Awesome. Rock and roll. So we want to get started about, you know, what's your background? Like the high level picture of, uh, you know, where how you've gotten to where you are today. That I'm not sure how high level we can go, but I've been a very, very bad boy in my life. As apparently, you know, you went through my LinkedIn, who actually is Eric Taylor, but but pulled some of that stuff out. And most people don't even pay that much attention. So kudos to you guys for, or to Kudos to you girls, my apologies for doing that, but started off, you know, messing around with an Atari 800 LX, you know, drawing a picture, you know, spending a full day typing out in basic and then be able to have a turtle draw a star. And I was hooked into this whole mess, you know, and then, you know, getting into BBS systems when you're actually able to do that before AOL and I can actually communicate with other people and everything. It just engulfed me, you know. And then Windows 3.1 came out and it's like, ooh, what does this file do? Oh, crap. I just crashed my mom's computer. And it's watching my stepdad flipping disks in there to rebuild Windows. <laughs> so it's been a very, very long time from there to you know actually getting in trouble with the FBI for hacking, going into the military, doing various stuff there and being out in the public sector doing you know what I love doing, right? It's both making companies more secure by, you know, doing bug bounty programs and trying to help them recover from cybersecurity incidents, which is kind of what my passion is. Wow. You're saying that so laissez-faire, like no big deal, you know, FBI involvement, had a van party. <laughs> Eric, you, okay. So hold on. I got to take a step back. Got to ask because Erica had mentioned that you started coding at the age of six. So I'm curious and I know the listeners are curious about what you coded at age six. So do you remember what you coded and on what type of machine? I don't remember all I, what I coded. Most of it was just, you know, in the basic programming language, because that's really the only thing I had access to. And it was on an Atari 800 LX that I still have to this day over so in you, some sort of box somewhere. Eric, so did, did your parents know you were doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not to do too much onusing on my parents, but my stepfather was military doing flight line stuff with, you know, various type of aircraft that we cannot mention. And my mom actually worked as a ad hoc network administrator for an office. So, you know, dealing with both sides of that and, you know, being a product of that type of thing. So 
you know, we were in some ways we were the the Joneses that people were trying to keep up with when it came to technology and being the first person to have a dedicated phone line so you can get into, you know, AOL and the BBS systems and all that stuff. So when I started, like I said, when Andrew, when I started crashing Windows 3.1 on my my stepdad a lot because I was just trying to figure out how to hack what this operating system does, they pretty much knew they were in trouble. Oh, man. So, yeah, I feel like you had a little bit of an advantage there with, with your family, with uh, just being like aware of technology just in general. I mean, I, I think to like my own childhood and I think of uh, when we got our first Windows, like, oh, man, I don't even know what OS it was on, but it was huge. It took up the whole desk. I had to like reserve my like 30 minute slot to like maybe play a little game or something. Right. And it was like supervised because my parents were very much like, this IT thing, I don't know. <laughs> so I think it's pretty cool that you were able to kind of get that early head start, that so to speak, playtime, right? Some kids were playing with toys and getting into other things. And you said, hey, this OS, this is my toy. I had a free reign until I got in trouble at 95 or 96. And the FBI came knocking and busting down our door at three o'clock in the morning because of my hacking efforts. I was still in high school. I didn't graduate till 97. Oh my gosh, Eric. Yeah, that's what I was saying about a, having a van party. You, this is crazy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, I mean, I could talk about it now. So, like, yeah. my, first job, yeah. my first job was Pizza Hut. And back then, you know, I was doing the dishes and doing the cooking and doing all this stuff. And, you know, sorry, folks, so this gets a little boring. I can go for three hours or on this thing. But, you know, in the back was the manager's workstation. And I would always hear, in the back of my in the back where somebody was dialing in to the manager's workstation come to find out it was pizza hut corporate because that's how they got in and got all their daily numbers and everything like that to see what the sales were so one day i was just back there the manager wasn't around and i seen the phone number written on the biscuit jack for the telephone line so i was off the next day so i just started hammering the freaking phone number started dialing in and dialing in and dialing in and you know, start brute forcing my way in there. And that's how I gave myself a pay raise. And that's consequently how I got fired from Papa John's too. <laughs> you, I so been- Papa John's, I did a little differently. I gave everybody else a pay raise except for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You must really like pizza, Eric. <laughs> Have you seen it. my gut? Yes. I like food. Oh my gosh. What a story though. I have to ask, like before I move on to a, you know, maybe a more serious question, but like, what was your parents' reaction when the FBI came knocking on your door? Talking to them now, I mean, my stepfather's passed away, but my mom thankfully is still here, but I talk to her about it every once in a while. And she's like, it doesn't surprise me that you did this, you know, because the, I, and the, literally I was able to get out of it because of the way that my high school was structured. So our high school was structured in different buildings. So you had your math building, your science building, your social studies building. And back then they, you know, it was still a token network. So if you remember those old BMC days and you had a token and everything like that, but those buildings were not supposed to be networked together. But I found a way through one of the VLANs how they actually were. And then I was able to get out and hack NASA and hack AOL and bring down AOL for three days through a backdoor room. Wait, did you? And because it's a school. (laughs) Yeah. He just said hack NASA, Eric. He said AOL was down for three days. Yeah, Yeah, Google it. AOL was down three days in 94. People were mad at you. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's all Google. I don't know if my name is tied to it anymore or not, but yeah, there was it was either 90, 94 or 95, now I think about it. But yeah, AOL was down for three days because of a backdoor Trojan. Man, I just wish you had sent everybody pizza. Like, you know? Dude, that, <laughs> I, mean, I could probably do that nowadays because how interlinked they are. But back then, you know, I've just been able to send my neighborhood some free pizza or something. Uh, oh my gosh, the ideas we could have. All right, okay. Back to a more serious question. You know, you were in this ransomware space right now. You've been combating <laughs> ransomware. Your organization is like based on that. I mean, running a business on its own, no small feat. It's a lot of work. I have so much respect for entrepreneurs, owners, you know, CEOs, all of those hats that you have to wear all at once. What motivated you to start your own incident response company? Hmm. I really wanted to make an impact, right? I mean, but I had to ease back into it because of my childhood. You know, I got away from technology altogether after I got out of the Marine Corps and everything like that, when I was in the public sector, I got away from black box and everything. And I was an industrial electrician for many years, but I had to ease, actually ease my way back into it. I couldn't, I was too afraid of my own self that I could not hold that line where I don't get into trouble. So it was a long, long, several year process. You know, where I was just doing bug bounty stuff. You know, can I legitimately hack these companies like TeamViewer, which I've now been two years you know, listed on as their top, which is pretty cool. You know, hacking things like TeamViewer and hacking things like Datto and hacking things like, you know, these other companies without go crossing that line and actually, you know, doing more malicious damage than what I was supposed to do. And once I was able to do that, then it just started spreading and spreading and spreading into, you know, I just don't want to do IT. Everybody can do IT, right? And IT, while it's gratifying, you know, you're able to fix a problem, but I'm not making a major impact into the into someone's daily lives. And I think ransomware is where, you know, doing the digital, not only just ransomware, but any of the forensics, right? You know, PCI data stealing, things of that nature, you know, coming in to be able to find who was the bad guy, what did they take, how did they move, and, you know, help them guide through the, that whole process and be better in the future really is I think a real true calling of mine. Yeah, you're really good at what you do. That is a fact. You're extremely busy. That speaks volumes to your organization, your work ethic. And it's definitely a challenging space to be in. But your background just is, is so fascinating where you've come from, you know, the FBI knocking on your door to now battling the bad guys for us and securing organizations. And it sounds like just listening to you right now and, and knowing you personally, it sounds like you're really self-taught. And is that an accurate statement? You would say that you're kind of a self-taught technical guy in this space? I was. But once I wanted to get serious about digital forensic sense response, I dove head into SANS. You know, so we're full GAC certified. We've I've got six challenge coins sitting on my desk from SANS certifications or challenge dates, things of that nature. And you know, so I wanted to not just get a piece of paper. I wanted to go to where the Cadillac is. Who's the top, best of the best that is teaching this thing so I can learn? Because, I mean, you can learn so much off of YouTube. And, you know, there's a ton of people that is do, doing DFIR stuff out there and putting out some really good content. But I, I really wanted to learn from practitioners. And Kroll, or not sorry, not those guys, but Sands has companies that come in who are actual practitioners. So they have a sense like we don't want just 
book knowledge people. We want people who are actually in the field doing these things. So all their, their training is taught by actual practitioners. I'm like, that's where I need to go. Yeah, you have quite a few SAN cert- certifications right now. And I'm curious, we have listeners that are curious about, do they go to university, you know, regular college, four-year degree? Are they self-taught? Maybe go like a Udemy route and do training on their own, build a box, do that, or do the certification route. What would you say would be the best? Or do you think there's a hybrid approach? There could definitely be a hybrid approach. I'm not a massive fan of institutional learning, unless you're a doctor or a lawyer, right? If you want to go CISO level, you want to go high level C-suite, then yes, absolutely go institutional. That's the best way you're going to be able to go there and be effective, right? But if you want to be a guy that's a manager and in the trenches, you know, certification 100%, that's the way to go. I don't, depending on the organization and the caliber that you're wanting to go after is really, do you go to Udemy or some of these other ones, or do you go with full on certification? I know in our organization, we put them through, you know, GRC analyst before they even step foot into the building. Well, now it's all virtual, but you get the idea. And then they go through, you know, a couple of CompTIA's certifications. And, you know, then we start putting them through SANS, you know, whether they're going to be a pen tester or, you know, DFIR or whatever the case is. So that's kind of our own internal approach. So that actually segues really, really well into my next question. So for those listeners that we have that are wanting to kind of seek into this incident response world, right? Like this is a job that's often, you know, cybersecurity as a whole. Like when you think of cybersecurity and you're not really in the space, like you think, oh, I'm going to be a hacker. I'm going to be maybe a pen tester. And that's what sounds sexy, right? Like you don't know, you don't know any other titles. You don't really know that even like incident response is something you could make a living in, right? Like, how do you guys recruit? And do you have any tips for anyone that would be breaking into that specific side of the house? Yeah, you know, we always get folks that are messaging us on LinkedIn. It's like, hey, how do I do this? And how do I do that? And how do we get into the industry and stuff like that? And the first thing I got to tell you is you got to have a burning passion for this field. You know, you can't, you know, cybersecurity is got all right so let's just say you're in a police department it will say police department is cybersecurity. now you have many facets inside of your police department that everybody get, you have your dispatchers you have your patrolmen you have your detectives you have your forensics people you have your crime scene people you've got the janitor you've got all these different departments inside of a, the police department that function the same thing kind of with info security or cybersecurity whatever you want to call it there's so many different trades and so many different crafts inside of this that you really got to know what you want to do that's the first thing do you have a passion for this and do you know exactly where you want to go just like in IT do you want to be a hardware guy do you want to be a software guy do you want to be a networking guy do you want to be a programmer you want to be the guy that goes around and breaks crap, you know? So that's the first things that people got to figure out, you know, and go from there. Where, where is really your passion? And if it's not in this, like you don't wake up and you're like, man, I'm going to, but for me, it's like, I'm going to go find evil today. Right. You know, thumbs up like the old cartoon tick, right? This is not the field for you. It's not, you know, if you don't like being, 
you know, full of spreadsheets and, you know, doing policies and procedures and things of that nature. Management, you know, ICS control is that stuff is not for you, right? So you got to find out what drives you and what, you know, what your passion is. Yeah, that's what I always hear about pen testers, what they hate the most, because I've been on the management side of vulnerability tests and pen tests, and I see the reports that you all have that are delivered, that are provided, and you have to filter and analyze those to give those to me to be able to brief to the client. And a lot of individuals that get into that role, they're like, they always say, I love the, I love the hacking part. I love the doing, but the Mm -hmm. reports is what it's a deal breaker for a lot of people. And they don't, they don't. So let me give a tip for the hackers out there. If you're doing an actual penetration test, document while you test. I trust me, I've been doing this for a long time. I can't tell you what vulnerabilities I found on day two on day five, you know, I'm like, crap, you know, I had a screenshot of it, but my screen, my computer rebooted up to patches. I don't have a saving of that document as you bug or as you pen test. It's the only way to do it. And then, you know, when you're going through day six or seven or however long your engagement is, now you just got documentation cleanup and do two reports, two reports. You have a C-level report and you have a technical report. You do that. You're completed probably 50%, 60% of your, your problem. You just got to learn the technical abilities at that point. Yeah. And writing is a thing in this field. I don't care mm-hmm. where you start out. You might not be writing as much, but as you progress, mm-hmm. you will be writing reports. It does happen. Wow. This has been amazing. I want to know, though, any big projects, Eric, that you've got coming up that you can share with the listeners? I know that you work with a few nonprofits. Maybe share some work that you're doing in that space. Yeah. I mean, not to be one of those guys that self-promote himself by any means, but, you know, I guess the latest thing that we did was for hackers for vets, you know, giving a, a sizable donation. We're looking to potentially partner up with those find folks at the end of the year to make another contribution. You know, for those who don't know, Hackers for Vets is a nonprofit that helps discharge, honorably discharge veterans, I should say, to get into the world of cybersecurity and info security. So if you're looking to get into it and you need some help and you are a honorably discharged veteran, check out Hackers for Vets. There's a, a couple other ones that we are in the process of working on that we just can't talk about yet. But yeah, nothing else really major that we're working on right now. It's just hackers are going crazy. So, you know, always doing these these cases. And here lately it seems like some of the the cases that we're working on are actually requiring us a physical presence. So, you know, I'm starting to feel like I'm getting feathers growing out my back end again. So with all the flying and everything, but it's definitely a busy field, but definitely a busy time. And I'm glad to be a vessel, you know, to actually give back. So it's definitely a busy time. Cyber is in hot demand. Your role is definitely in hot demand and you find time to give back to the community all, all while doing it. So, you know, from Jackson and I's perspective, we really value that and appreciate that. We're big fans and supporters of transitioning vets, transitioning, you know, careers. You know, that's what this is all about, right? Is like, how do we give back to the community? How do we touch somebody's life and and allow them with some resources to help them through that transition? So really, really appreciate the work that you're doing. And Eric, anybody that's really interested in connecting with you or 
learning more about you or what you guys are doing, what is the best way to find you? Pretty easy. Just go to barricadecyber.com. Literally, my schedule is wide open. You can schedule a time. It's really no sales. You know, if you want to talk, let's just talk. You know, 30 minute schedule, you just figure out what's available to you. Awesome. All right. So, Barricade Cyber, you heard it here. Really appreciate the time, Eric. This has been so much fun. And for our listeners, if you have any feedback, if you have any guests that you want to see on the show, anything at all, please shoot us an email at two cyberchicks, and that's the number two, cyberchicks at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, make sure to like and subscribe. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Two Cyber Chicks Podcast with Erica and Jax. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.